Hey there, it's Mike Tramp, and you're listening to White Line Fever, where rock and roll is still alive like it always has been, and it always will be. Welcome to White Line Fever. Um, this is the beginning of the program, but the third part of our interview with Tommy Boyce from the Casanovas. Hello again, Tommy. G'day. So um, tell us, we've talked about the distant past. We've talked about the release of the new record and how it comes together. Let's talk about, um, I suppose, the future. Um, were you always confident that there would be a future, that we'd be sitting here talking about touring and a new record? Or did you think at one point over the last sort of uh, six years, maybe the band was done? No, I always knew that we'd do another record um, and I just, just always knew in the back of my mind we'd be playing again and, and doing it again. So I don't know why, I just didn't doubt it at all. So, mm. yeah. So what does the future hold? Uh, you you want to get out touring now? Uh, you want to... Yeah, yeah. So we'll, we'll tour... Uh, Avenue, but that's kind of hard to organise, isn't it, going overseas? Yeah, we'll... we'll, we'll um, I think, yeah, overseas is definitely on the, on the cards. So... Um, you know, Europe and stuff beckons. And, um, you know, for me, that would be incredibly, you know, gratifying, you know, given the work we've done and the records. So, because, I don't know, there's, like, I love playing in Australia and I, I love playing at home and stuff in, in Melbourne, but there's nothing better, I reckon, than just being on the road and playing in, in new and different places and, mm. and um, to new and different crowds. It's just the most fun thing mm. you can ever do, I reckon, just about. So, um <laughs> Yeah, I'll be so grateful if we get to do that again. Is it important these days to get a release in quotation marks overseas, or now with iTunes, is it? Who cares? I mean, yeah, no, we we do. Um, we will. I think we've got. We'll get a release over there. We've got because um, we've had releases before, so we've got contacts and I think interested parties. Mm. So. Yeah, I, that'll all get sorted out by our label manager here, though, so it kind of get, gets licensed through them and stuff, so I don't really know Yeah, yeah, yeah. who it's going to be through or whatever at the moment. And um, what about national tours? Like, are you going to go out on your own? Are you looking for supports? What's going on there? This is here in Oz. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll go out. Um, I don't know if we'll, we probably won't be able to take a support band, you know, because we wouldn't be able to pay them enough. But, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, we'll definitely play. Like, I mean, I would personally, I'd love to play all the rural towns and, and all, you know, the major cities and do like a full-on two-month tour, but um, it's just not realistic now because uh, without kind of national radio, like it just, yeah. just makes it um, unfeasible. you just got to have, you've got to have kind of Triple J behind you and stuff, which, which for us is pretty unlikely, I think. Because they don't play rock and roll anymore. What? Um, yeah. Also, probably just that we're older, and you know, the, the sort of youth radio, I guess. Yeah, yeah. What? Um, what I was gonna say. Um, can you? I mean, can you see the point where maybe you can go back to doing this full time, or is that just? Can I mean, how? What? What is the threshold? I mean, you, you know, now if you if if you want to sort of make a living out of being in a rock band, I mean, mm. what? Are, what is the threshold? What is the minimum? you need as far as airplay and sales and... and, and yeah, I, it's a bit of a tough one nowadays with sales because obviously people just download stuff and so sales, which are already sort of, you know, um, without the illegal downloading is, is pretty hard work. It's Now with illegal downloading, it's just almost impossible to to even factor that into potential income. So there's that. Um, 
the other thing is um, live incoming. I mean, if, yeah, like I said, if you if you were getting hammered on the radio and stuff, you could tour and make money out of touring. That'd be great. Mm. And the other the other means by which you can make money is, um, you know, when movies or TV or mm. ads want your music for. You've been in a few guard computer games and that, haven't you? Is that? Yeah, 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 and a few ads and stuff like that. Like I don't, I couldn't care less what anyone says. It's not selling out. You've got to, you've got to make something back for what you do. And like that's the only times we've ever actually made any money out of the band is, is getting our stuff on, um, on that, those um, ads and whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the airborne guys just seem to work themselves into the ground. You probably know those fellows from from Melbourne. I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Well, they, they're like that. With them, it's like um, they've bitten a bullet and gone. Okay, we're all going to live together. This is going to be our thing. We're going to, you know, mm. going to go hell for leather or nothing. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah. and good on them for doing that. I, I really respect that. And um, you know, it's without any help from radio here. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. um, and they, look at them; they're huge in Europe. So um, that's fantastic for them. I just think so. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's we would. It's sort of we're in a different position, obviously now, like with everyone kind of having jobs and um, and uh, babies and stuff like that. So it makes it a bit of a um, unlikely sort of option. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's been uh, nice of you to uh, join us, Tommy. I really appreciate uh, your time um, and good luck with what's coming up. Hopefully, we'll see you around during the next. Is this, is this, I mean, can you see this being an ongoing thing? We're not going to wait six years for the next record or is it really, no, really stuck it and see? definitely not. No, I really would love to um, get things just moving quicker and quicker in the future. Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't like having such a long break. It's yeah. kind of weird because I, I love playing and it's part of me sort of thing. So I, I kind of um, feel a bit weird without it, you know. So yeah. definitely um, don't want to wait. Again. And the response has been good. Like everyone's excited that you're back. Is it been good? Oh yeah, yeah. No, it's been fantastic. It's been a real vibe around it, which is which is really nice. Yeah. yeah. Okay, one more song, and we'll leave you in peace, mate. Uh, what do yeah. you do for us off the new record? Um, I play um, "He's Alive," the first track. Story? Any story? That's, um, that's an interesting song. I was going to ask you what that was about. Yeah, that one's about. Um, it's about the band's return. Um, the the song is metaphorically written about the the uprising of the beast, yeah. which is the band. So awesome. <laughs> that's that's what it's about, you know. So that's very metal. <laughs> yeah, it does have a it does have a very metal feel that song. And if you but you know you have you mentioned the stuff about the British wave and you British. What am I saying? New wave of like, heavy metal. New wave of British heavy metal. Those bands, like, um, that song very much has that um, that kind of feel to it. A bit of a Thin Lizzy meets Judas Priest sort of thing. That
Hey, this is Tommy from the Casanovas, and you're on White Line Fever. Okay, welcome back to the program. We are in the victorious uh, Queensland dressing room, Origin 1 at ANZ Stadium, 11-10, and I'm with the assistant coach. Is that your correct designation, Michael Hagan? Oh, I reckon that's close enough. That's all right. <laughs> I'm one of Mel's helpers. <laughs> now, we're killing two birds with one stone here. So, um, if I was to do a colour story, which I have to do tonight, uh, before I leave here at 4am or whatever it is, about what was behind that win, and what because... You know, Origin One's sometimes a bit difficult to get a narrative because yep. there's no issues. No. So, but from from an insider's point of view, what, what stand, stands out in your mind about tonight and the lead up? Uh, what stands out is the the type of game you need to bring to, to this stadium. It, it's mm. just a, it's just a much harder place to play at. There's always very few points scored, and you've got to play a bit like like New South Wales have had a game plan for the last probably ten years here. Mm. So we had to really come with a bit of a blueprint that they used to to try and get ourselves in front and really uh, the effort that we gave, uh, our kicking game, our perseverance got us a, like we were pretty good in a lot of areas and got us a one point victory so that's how sort of hard we had to work and how patient we had to be and very nearly could have lost it in the last five minutes which is typical of game one, you know, fluency not quite there, timing not quite there, even though this team's been together for quite a while, it still takes a game or two to to get that going, so um, yeah, I think we'd be pretty happy with the, with a victory down here in, in any circumstances. So you kind of borrowed from them a bit then tactically. Yeah, and I think they've you know if you look at game two last year, they just had a mentality of get out of the backfield, kick in the corner, build pressure, wait for an error, and and they got that result in the last five minutes, didn't they? Game two last year, so we we sort of figured it was going to be a similar mentality and um, just a really tough battle in the middle and. Um, you know, they picked two kickers in Pierce and Hodgkinson, so uh, we knew our, our back three. I thought our back three were really good in their mm. kick reception work, and, and pretty much that's, that, that was the game. Is it all tactics and footy, or are there other, are there other things at play? We heard Mel in the press conference say they're one of the greatest teams ever, and they um, continually prove critics wrong. I mean, this year, I guess, if you were tipping against Queensland, the reason you tip against them would be the old age thing. Yeah, so yeah, the yeah. boys are aware of that, I guess? Oh, I think, you know... Um, there's a subtle underlying tone there that people have sort of prepared to, you know, uh, criticise or write them off to a degree. And mm-hmm. but I mean, the way I guess for me, the way in which the senior players um, worked with the coaches in how we needed to play, I think I think that's actually there are it's a really good group of people that have understood Origin for a long time, and mm-hmm. for them to sort of realise that we might need a slightly different approach. That's full credit to those senior players and, and our key players. Cameron Smith, Cooper Cronk, Jonathan Thurston, Billy Slater—they're they're as professional as anyone I've ever come across. So they have a, a huge influence on how the team plays, and rightly so. New South Wales had it down your end with maybe nine minutes to go. I'm just guessing, but um, mm-hmm. um, they didn't shoot for field goal. Were you surprised? Yeah, they actually went a bit of a wider field position mm-hmm. on about play four or mm-hmm. five, so it didn't really give them that opportunity to get in position. Which, um, and I said to Mel, maybe 15 out. Maybe we need to think about a point because you've got to get one when you can you, you don't want to wait till the end to get one um, and we I think took that opportunity to shoot for goal and New South Wales maybe didn't quite get themselves in the right part of the field for, for that point Do you even need to call a field goal when Cooper Conk's out there does, it just, does anyone need to say anything I think it's well even the <laughs> setup at the end it was a little bit around making sure we got ourselves in the in the right frame of mind and, and even the good players under fatigue need those little reminders of like in the NJT made the, the call to have a shot mm. where you know, Mal and I, you leave that up to the players to, to make that call, but um, you know, maybe kicking it out and setting up for a point might have been a, a wiser move. 
<laughs> so, so JT called for Cooper to take the shot, or did he call for it himself at the end? I'm not sure who yeah, yeah. sorted that out, but I'm mm. saying in the kick for goal stakes, that was up to him to yeah, make that call, Cameron yeah. Smith, you know. We're in this little ante room, which is next to your dressing room. When the players are in here and they're in there before the game, in the old days of State of Origin, to be fire and brimstone, probably not much finessing tactics-wise. No, no. <laughs> what about now? Do the blokes talk about things other than tactics and, and completions, and, or is it, or is, is that sort of gone out of the game yeah, now? Yeah, I mean, it's a bit more, uh, I guess, individual in terms of how guys like to prepare for a game. Um, you know, we've got certain things we need to be good at every game at Origin level that. You know, no one talks to their thighs or puts Denker rub on their no, head anymore? I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that. But <laughs> there's not too much fun and frivolity. I mean, Alfie's yeah, yeah, yeah. still got a bit of that going for the staff, but yeah, yeah, not yeah. for the players so much. <laughs> um, but it's, it's just a different event to what it was, but mm-hmm. it's still good fun to be around, and uh, they're a great group to work with. Are the Blues a hope in Melbourne and, and Brisbane? I mean, you've got to say yes, but they're up against it now, aren't they? Yeah, this is, this is you've got, you got one hand on the trophy, haven't you, tonight? Yeah, it's just such a... A, a uh, critical part of the series to get to get in front. Um, for me, I thought we'd, we need to win tonight or in Melbourne to, to get us in position in Brisbane. So the fact that we've got ourselves off to a good start um, and like Origin, you know that you think we'll get two nutted out, but it doesn't seem to always work out that way. And, and you know, more than likely we'll be going to Brisbane for a decider. You know? Okay, I've got to uh, for the audio part of this uh, program. I've got to go do some housekeeping stuff, so I won't do that in front of you. I'll go and talk to myself in the corner into my phone and look like an idiot. Thanks for uh, talking to us tonight, Michael. Congratulations. <laughs> no worries, sir. see you, mate. Okay, so um, uh, WLF podcast. We are on Twitter, on Facebook. It's uh, uh, White Line Fever, just White Line Fever. Uh, we're also on. Um, on iTunes, what you need to do is please make a comment. Please make a comment. How good is this? We're in the State of Origin dressing room straight after the game. Going to upload it immediately. I went to a lot of effort. Make a comment on iTunes. Also go to whitelinefever.ning.com uh, and um, uh, please click on the, maybe the donation link. That would be awesome. Or click on the... Um, um, Amazon link, and if you buy something on Amazon, I get a tiny cut. It doesn't cost you any more. Or just join. Just join whitelinefever.ning.com. Um, that would be a big help. But subscribe. Please subscribe on uh, iTunes. And I normally go through donors, but Tim Hishon, I think, is the only one I noticed I got any money from. I apologise to you if you uh, sent me money in the last month, but I only got it from uh, Tim Hishon. Okay, um, let's play some new music. Uh, and then we'll be back with the rest of the rock interviews, and um, including the second part of Dave Ellison uh, and the first, uh, well, the second part, sorry, the final part of the Dave Ellison interview, and uh, the second part, which is in episode 74, has got enormous interest across the board from the rock and roll media, and it put us in top 10 uh, on Podomatic and all that sort of stuff. So uh, be, I'm sure you'll be just as interested in what he's got to say in the final part of that interview. Thanks for joining us. State of Origin is underway. I'm at Magic Weekend uh, this weekend, and we'll bring you the next episode from Newcastle or Leeds or somewhere like that. And after that, it's Sweden Rock. How awesome is that? Okay, back after the break.
Hey, this is Jizzy Pearl here, hanging with Steve, and you're listening to White Line Fever. Welcome back to the program, final part of our interview with Dave Ellison from Megadeth. Now, um, can you tell us a little bit about what's on the horizon um, for Megadeth? You, you said you sort of have you started writing, or you're about to start writing. Then there'll be a record. I imagine yeah. there'll be a pretty big tour. What What are the sort of uh, yeah. uh, aspirations there? You know. Well, the writing is pretty much done, and I mean, it's it's you know that can always change and develop, even as we're in the studio working on things together. But um, the um, um, the actual recording will we're basically rehearsing, doing finishing the pre-production, and then we'll go into the actual recording um, in uh, in in probably really probably early May is when we're really going to officially get started on that. And the thing is, is that, um, you know, we, we initially thought because we had some tour dates that we were looking at doing in, in August, we thought we would have the record out by then and, and get in, you know, and then that would lead into the tour. Well, some events, some, 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 those, those tour dates have since gotten moved, um, which quite honestly is a good thing because it really frees us up to have the time to make the, uh, the record now at, you know, with a schedule that's a little more appropriate, you know, for how we want to make a great record. And uh, so now it looks like we'll probably, I'd say sometime, you know, within the next year, we will get the Megadeth record out. And um, and then from there, we'll get into the touring and everything that, that follows with that. Some of your uh, contemporaries have, uh, over the years, done some pretty sharp right turns. Have we got a, a St. Anger or a Black album coming? <laughs> Is it going to be anything uh, <laughs> anything surprising? <laughs> Well, I, I I'd like to think it's not going to be a stinker. That's for sure. You know, I'd, I'd like to think it's it's going to be a pretty kick-ass record. Um, and uh, yeah, there, I tell you, there's a couple things on there that are that are certainly heavy and and but they're very forward-thinking for Megadeth in in a good way. You know, not not some you know pop right turn or anything like that. Um, you know, so it's you know I'd like to think when the Megadeth when the record says Megadeth on it, you, you're going to get Megadeth inside of it. Yeah, I was listening to one other podcast you appeared on, an Australian podcast, and you were talking about the dark days of addiction and that sort of thing. I, I, I mean, that's obviously going to be a big part of your spoken word, I'd imagine, and the power that you have to help other people. It must be quite a, um, some, you know, quite a blessing in a way. Uh, I just wonder, have you read the it's, Heroin Diaries by by Nikki Six? I, I just wonder what you think of that, and because Motley Crue kind of turned their addictions into a, almost a, it gave their career a kickstart didn't it when the dirt come out i mean what do you make of all that yeah you know it's, it's funny i we were on tour with molly crew in 2000 and i was talking to nikki about that because i had a little bit of history with nikki you know he i was there the night that he died in the hotel um he was literally in my room you know five minutes before he overdosed uh next door um and uh um, and then nine months later, you know, he made a visit to rehab where I was in rehab suffering from my heroin addiction. And, you know, he and I, you know, have had a, you know, kind of a cool, you know, bond over those things over the years, you know, um, and we travel in very different circles, but it's just kind of cool when you see somebody, you've got that, you know, when you meet somebody over life and death matters, that's a bond that He's with you forever, you know? Yeah. Um, and I remember in 2000, he was talking about writing this book that would expose everything, and that book was called The Dirt, of course, you know? 
Um, and then when he did, I have not read the Heroin Diaries. I've heard good things about it. I probably should read it. I've not read it. Um, I kind of have my own Heroin Diaries of a sort, which is probably why I didn't read his because I have my own. Mm. Um, and uh, because people you know, know heroin and a diary when you're going through this terrible ordeal, and there are people, there are doubters out there. But it sounds like to you, it's quite you know, it's totally reasonable to, to keep a diary. You know. Oh yeah, I mean, heroin is this dark, insulary, artistic kind of drug, you know, that um, whereas cocaine or methamphetamine get you all fired up and zing you out the door and get doing a million things, heroin is a very withdrawn drug, you know. Um, and it's the thing I enjoyed about it when I was getting into it, you know. Um, but like all drugs and with addiction, they they can and often come around like a boomerang and, you know, cut you to shreds, you know. And, and uh, you know, heroin is certainly one of the most insidious with, with that type of, uh, you know, feature of its addiction. And, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, for me, yeah, I mean, for back to your question, yeah, it, it's certainly something where I can, you know, share my life story with that and it can help a lot of people. And I'm sure that will be talked about in this spoken word tour and not from a preachy don't do drug, you know, kind of thing. Um, but more just from my own experience being in it, you know, and being down in it and, uh, um, and having those experiences that, you know, really, you know, at the time they didn't seem like they were that, um, you know, that maybe that important to me, but, you know, now looking back on it, I see from out of that darkness, you know, was born a whole new life. And I think that's the power of that is, is if we can get out of those things and how that process happens, you really do get reborn to have a kind of a, you really have, you have like a second life within one lifetime. And yeah. that definitely has been my life for sure. Our time is up, I'm afraid. There's, I had a long, long list of things. We barely, barely touched the surface. It didn't get halfway down the page. But um, uh, thanks for joining us, uh, Dave. And if we could just get one more song, we'll leave you in peace. Sure. I tell you what, how about we end with, uh, since we're talking about addiction and all things kind of nutty like that, why don't we finish with Megadeth Sweating Bullets? Hindsight is always 2020, but looking back, it's still a bit fuzzy. Speak of mutually assured destruction. Nice story. Yeah.
it's me again. You can subdue but never tame me. It gives me a migraine headache. Sinking down to your level. Yeah, just keep on thinking it's my fault. And stay an inch or two at a kicking distance. Mankind has got to know his limitations. Claw your back. Here I come again. Everybody, this is David Austin from Megadeth. We are hanging here on Y Line Feed. Yep. Okay, welcome back to the program, uh, the final part of our interview with Joey Vera, and we've been talking about Motor Sister. Uh, now, 
But we better talk about your other bands as well, particularly Armored Saint, who've got a new record coming out. So you'll be doing this all again in a few weeks, won't you? The the press uh, merry-go-round and, and, and all that. Uh, what, what's that like? Yeah. What's it like to be sort of pumping up, promoting two projects at the same time, almost, you know? It's a, uh, it hasn't been that confusing except for today, actually. Cause <laughs> in the, I, in the morning, I, I, I did an Armored Saint press in the morning, and then in the afternoon, I'm doing motor sisters. I'm trying to like, get my, the, the phone rings, and I'm, I'm answering the phone thinking, okay, what am I supposed to talk about? I, I, I have no idea what this is about. Um, but, you know, it's it's fun. You know, it's it's. Um, I'm trying not to... Um, confuse people too much with too many things going on but um you know i i personally i enjoyed playing in different projects I, I think it's fulfilling for me as a musician and as a person um i really i actually become to thrive on it um so for me it's it's fine and i i, I don't have a problem mm. switching gears and all that yeah People imagine, I guess, that they got a very simplistic view of why there are so many people who are in many bands. They just kind of think, well, there's streaming now and there's illegal downloading and I'd imagine the checks are getting smaller for musicians, so they just look around and they're looking for more gigs. Is it really that simple? Is it more complex, uh, the reason that it, it is more common now? Well, I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I, I can't answer for everybody. I mean, I suppose that, that some people are are like that. They're um, they consider themselves more like session people, mm. and so they um, their their work is hustling. You know, hustling gigs. You know, mm. you got one gig here, you got one gig there, and at the end of the year, hopefully, you, you did enough gigs to pay your bills and everything. And I mean, that's certainly a. a, a, a mentality that's not uncommon um especially here in la i mean i'm i live in la and it's pretty common for that it's been like that forever though it's mm. you have a studio session guys and you have touring session guys and it's like that mm. but um but it's not uh it's not for everybody i mean not everybody can deal with that not everybody wants to do that um I don't really do that. I don't go out and hustle to look for gigs. I just sort of end up playing with people that are are friends, you mm. know, that are people I have an association with. Mm. Um, so for me, it's I'm lucky that I have several different friends that are in different different bands, and they're stylistically they're all super different, you know. And I've been fortunate to play with a lot of different great musicians and. Um, it's it's uh, for me it's it's been great, mm. um, but you know, I mean it's it's true what you say. It's hard to make a living if you're in one band. I mean, I for uh, the in particular, the same particular case, I'm a change an unusual case because we're not we're not your normal everyday working band. We don't make a record every you know. Uh, 24 months and and do a touring cycle and you know we're on the road for you know whatever six to nine months out of the year we don't do that we you know we make records every five to ten years yeah yeah, yeah. And so and we don't really go on these lengthy tours so the in the amount of income that Armored Saint makes is almost nil you know mm -hmm. it's it's very 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 little so 
I couldn't afford to be in just an arm and saint if I wanted to. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, but that's not the reason why I go out and join our fake swarming and join motor sister and mm. whatever else I do. Um, the other things come to me because of I'm friends with the guys in Fate's Warning. I've been friends for many, many years, and they asked me to come on board with them 17 years ago, and I'm still doing that. Um, and then the motor system thing, again, just something that organically happens. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm lucky. Yeah. You know, last night, just last night, walking distance from where I am now, I saw Dave Ellison do a, uh, a spoken mm. word date here in uh, Sydney. So it's it's really interesting. People are getting very creative, aren't they, and branching out and maybe learning a few new skills. It's probably not necessarily a bad thing. He actually mentioned you during uh, during his talk as well. So there you go. Oh, really? <laughs> nice. Yeah, he, he said when you're in Anthrax, maybe at the end, that he yep. was talking to them about maybe he was approached to maybe join, you know, and he didn't want to. He want, he thought they should get Frank back and this sort of thing. So he actually actually mentioned mm. it. But, it's, it, I mean, to me, it'd be a very scary thing to get up on stage for an hour and try to keep and keep a crowd, you know, yeah. just talking. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, uh, I think that, like, when you're in the music business, and I think because of the advent of the Internet, people feel like they have a closer connection to that than before. Yeah. And so uh, the other ways that people want to, uh, they want to see more, they want to see other facets of musicians and, and it comes in the way of, of what you just said, spoken word, mm. some guys writing books, mm. um, some guys go on clinic tours, you know, um, some guys go to schools and speak at schools. Um, I mean, there's a lot of different ways that musicians can kind of, you know, utilize what they do for a living <clears throat> and also at the same time sometimes it, it actually you can earn a few extra bucks too as well. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah. We've I've got lots more things to ask you, Joey, but we've run out of time. So uh time mm-hmm. for another song and we'll say goodbye. All right. Well, uh let's say uh let's end on an armored saint song. How about that? Okay, which which one would you like? Let's end it out on um Oh, let's end it out on Last Train Home.
white line fever. Going to run, land down under. Going to turn around the corner, way down yonder. <laughs> and I'm not even going to try to rhyme anymore. <laughs> Michael Monroe here for White Line Fever. You get a chance, come and check us out live. We're going to rock your socks off and whatever, rock like fuck. That's what I say, okay? <laughs> come on down and rock on.